We're taking a look at the Thanksgiving three-game slate over on DraftKings. It's NFL Week 12. We got a lot of DFS action for this week. And what I want to do is just take a quick first look at the Thanksgiving Day slate. It's one of my favorite slates of the year. I definitely like to attack this with mass multi-entry, but we're going to talk through some of these games, um, kind of go over some of these matchups, and um, talk about some of the players that we're going to be targeting uh, for this uh crazy wacky thanksgiving slate i'm super excited about it um wanted to talk about a couple of big wins this past weekend before we get into that um of course the big empty check this out on twitter my twitter my 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 dms everything is exploding right now with big winners uh the optimizer was so on point here's the big empty uh third place in the millimaker maker over forty thousand in winning this is just my my twitter account with people you know talking about their wins um Bill Castle, Slick Willie 77, um, took first in the three-point stance here for a 20K winner. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, Bill Bill actually posts, yeah, the leaderboard, third place, don't tase me, bro, in the Millie Maker, right off the optimizer. So much more of this. It was a really great weekend. Sox Fever in the um, King of the Beach final, uh, $8,000, $16 place. Good stuff, Uh to my man, Sox Fever. And of course, these are some really fun screenshots as well. Third place, fifth place, sixth place. The reason I, I like these screenshots is because there are multiple people, different people, all littering the top of the leaderboards um, who use the DFS Army uh, Domination Station Optimizer this weekend. And it just it's just how we're different from other sites. I see other sites still posting their staff wins and saying, hey, we had a graph, great week and their staff has posts a win. They don't use their tools uh, from those sites. Look at this. First place, second place, Sunglass Man, what up? Third, fourth place, most played, took over the leaderboard of the Minimax. So an incredible weekend of wins. And I want to see more of that coming up this Thanksgiving slate. So let's jump into this one. And one of the things I want to take a look at is the game tiles just real quick. There are three games for Thanksgiving. All three of them have a heavy favorite in them. So we're going to be dealing with like a heavy favorite team. Uh, all three of the favorites are really, really good defenses as well. So that, I call it complicates things a little bit, but we're just going to work with what we've got. So, of course, Lions, heavy favorite at home against the Packers. We got the Cowboys, heavy favorite at home against the Commanders and San Francisco, heavy favorite on the road against Seattle. All three of these defenses really good. Um, they're they're good in varying ways, but all three of them are really, really good. So um, to that backdrop, let's take a look at the Thanksgiving slate player pool. And we'll talk through pretty much all these uh, players and kind of come up with some that we like, some that we don't, et cetera, et cetera. So right off the bat, um, right up top is Dak Prescott. And he is the... You know, he's going to be the consensus best play on the slate, so to speak, in my mind. Um, 6,800 going up against a Washington team that, you know, has shown the ability to score and they're terrible against uh, wide receivers or they're terrible against quarterbacks and wide receivers. Uh, Washington has been a team to attack via the pass all season long. So, um, you know, Dak stands out as the chalk, so to speak. Um, he is going to be who I'll plug in this lineup as I think he will be the highest owned QB on the slate, but he won't. You know, it's funny. Quarterbacks never get that chalky, which is kind of nice. So if we wanted to go over the field on someone, this is a spot for that. Um, looking at the rest of the QB position, Jared Goff, also good. Um, you know, the negative to Goff for me is just that Packers have been really bad versus the run. And so it sets up a little bit better for those 
two dynamic running backs for the Lions to do a lot of the work in this game, but I think that'll get us some lower ownership on Goff. So he's in play, but definitely the matchup more favorable to Dak, or in this case for this game, more favorable to the running backs for the Lions. Um, Sam Howell here, uh, again, the opposite side of that Dallas game. I don't really see why I'd want to play Sam Howell at all. Sam Howell might be full fadeable. If we're looking for spots to fully fade, this is one I might do. And my prime reasoning is he's just not different enough in price from Dak for me to get there. I, I don't really think that. I think if Washington is scoring, Dallas is answering in this game. So no matter what Howell is doing, I think Dak is going to be matching that. And we've already seen that the Dallas running game, you know, outside of like a Tony Pollard lineup, the Dallas running game is just not dominant enough to um, take away from this. The danger here might be Dallas defense. So that's a concern, like defensive scoring from Dallas. But beyond that, none of those scenarios really have Howell outscoring Dak. So I don't see myself being too high on him. Um, Brock Purdy's a good play here down at 6,100. So we're going to save a little bit. Um, go down to Brock coming off a, a big weekend. Here, only 25 pass attempts, but extreme efficiency, as is the norm for the 49ers. They're just a very efficient team. You see Brock rarely throws a lot of times. Look at look at the season for Brock Purdy. Um, 25 targets or attempts, 26, 31, 30, 27, 24, 21. I mean, he's hitting, you know, the receptions rate is really good. But for the most part, they just don't throw a lot of passes uh, in San Francisco. So, Brock Purdy needs to get there on efficiency. He certainly can do it, but it's just something to keep in mind. But I, I don't mind Brock here. Um, Geno Smith coming off an injury. Got to see what's going on with the um, bruised elbow. Came back in the game the other day, so it's not like I, I think he'll be fine probably. But that's a really tough matchup. San Francisco, you could throw against them like wide receivers do okay, but it's hard to score against them. And Seattle's not one of these teams that do really well against, um, you know, really good defenses. Now, all that being said, I don't see a high-scoring game coming out of this one at all. Again, let me jump back over to the Dom Station. And, yeah, this one projects as the lowest scoring of them all at 42.5. So this would be the game that I'm sort of pretty comfortable not getting too crazy with, um, not going too heavy on it. I'm, I'm much more interested in in these other two much higher total games and, and especially the higher total team. So uh, with, with that being said, I don't think I'm going to have a ton of Gino here. Um, Jordan Love, I think is kind of a playable punt. He's been pretty bad all year in fairness. Um, not really a fantasy relevant producer um, averaging just 18.4 fantasy points per game. He has like one of his better games this weekend, put up a 23. Um, the 23.8 or the 25, his sort of ceiling type game, might be enough on a slate like this with a lot of games that are all skewed um, to heavy favorites and not necessarily any one of them pointing to this monster game from a quarterback, but um, he'd be more of an alternate GPP play for me. So I'm going to stick with Dak Prescott. I like favored QBs and my second preferred would be uh, Brock Purdy. And Goff. And then third, uh, yeah, third probably is going to be Goff for me actually I need to make a decision on that, but I like Brock and, and Goff. I like the favored QBs here. Um, again, uh, as I mentioned just now with Goff being a little more at risk of losing a lot of his efficiency to the running backs. All right, let's jump over to the running back. Cause we have some injuries and we've, those injuries have created some 
kind of lower priced, but not that much lower priced um, bargains. Let's call it at the running back position. So let's just get into it. Um, at the very top, of course, is Christian McCaffrey. And yeah, Christian McCaffrey is probably going to smash. That's what he do, right? He's Christian McCaffrey. Um, last week, another 20 plus points. It, he's not always going to get you the 35 that you need to sort of justify <clears throat> inflated salaries. But the salary did come down a smidge to 8,700 from 93 last week. And at 8,700, still 9, 8, 20, 36, still needs to get in the 30s, probably to be super relevant. Um, you could, you don't need to score quite as much on a three-game slate as you do on a five-gamer or on a full slate. So like a 28 or something like that might be more than enough to justify the salary point. Um, he's definitely somebody I would like to plug in to my lineup this week. So I'm going to plug in Christian McCaffrey, but I want to talk through all of these players. Um, Jameer Gibbs last week, again, very efficient player. He's doing it mostly via the pass. So, um, note that Montgomery and Gibbs are right back to kind of where they were earlier this season, which is dangerous for both. I do like this matchup for the running game of, of Detroit, but again, they have two very expensive running backs that neither one of them are getting a ton of work. Gibbs, let's see here, got... 14 touches last week, six for six in the uh, pass catching mode, which is that that alone that kind of gets you there. So this six reception, 60 yards, that's worth 12. So he gets the touchdown, gets up to 20, 742 to 28. So he'll he'll need to be in the 20s to um, make value here this week. And yeah, he can get there. He can get there, but just know the volume is not intense enough to really justify this price. Look at what Montgomery did this week as well. So this was a close game. There was nothing about this game that was out of the ordinary or like there was no blowout run or anything like that. Um, Montgomery, 12 carries, two targets. So he's getting pretty much just as much work, a little more on the rushing side than the passing game side, but he's getting a lot of work too. And, and it truly is a split between these two running backs. So don't expect that much from either, but also either one of these players has the potential to be the highest scoring running back on the slate. We can't ignore them but I'm not expecting a ton um, Pollard. So finally gets one in the end zone, but w the, a disturbing trend with Pollard is just the lack of volume. And this is a season long trend. I guess it, yeah, I'm not going to say season long, but let's see Arizona. So he had a couple of big volume games, kind of first couple games of the season. There were the eight target games and you know, this jets game where he only got 20 since then it's been, here, 16 touches, 15 touches, 15 touches, 13 touches. There's your 20, 20 plus touch game here against the Chargers. So the volume is all over the place. It's not good enough. That being said, once again, you know, this is a good matchup for, for Tony Pollard. Dal uh, Washington, not a particularly great defense against the run he certainly can get it done but i i wouldn't use pollard in a dac lineup and he won't be one of my focal point running backs on the slate he's just hard to trust at this point but he'll be in the mix but again hard to trust understanding that it is pollard and he's going to disappoint you more often than not now two big injury situations to go over at running back kenny walker um oblique strain that was legit i do not think he will play so we are probably going to get zach charbonnet as our starter and a guy who will have to get all the touches because there's no one else there. Uh, Seattle is a team that likes to run the football, but of course they're going up against, uh, they're going up against uh, the 49ers who are really, really, really good against the run. Like, like stuff you into the garbage can level good against the run. So 
we just have to keep it in mind. I think Charbonnet has a big enough passing game role that at 5,300, he could get there even if he doesn't have like a great game. In other words, he might just get five for five or, or you know, five for seven on receptions, uh, you know, get 35 yards like that, or, you know, that's already eight points. And then he rushes for another 60 yards and that gets you to about 13 or 14. And oh my goodness, if he gets in the end zone, that is the nut. So um, he could definitely get there. Regardless of the fact that this is a brutally tough matchup, you have to kind of ignore that. Um, next, we have A.J. Dillon. Again, um, uh, Aaron Jones came out of that game, and um, MRI, extent of the knee issues, et cetera, et cetera. Those are scary, scary words that tell me that he is not going to play this week, probably, which means we'll see uh, A.J. Dillon once again as the starter. Uh, A.J. Dillon did not have a great run as the starter earlier this season. He was chalk, 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 and always terrible. I'm putting up tens and twelves. If you remember this run of being the starter, uh, some threes and some sevens, terrible scores, right? He was nothing special. He's been nothing special all year. Um, does that mean we could fully ignore him? No, no. Unfortunately, I wish we, I wish we could, but we can't. So he's going to have to be in the discussion as well. The, the Lions matchup is not a great matchup for running backs. They haven't been doing well. That doesn't matter. Matchup. It's noise. It's it's noisy, right? As Derek Cardi, my uh, my guy would say, um, it's noisy. Defenses are noisy. You don't really know how great this run defense is. Like you still have to play these guys. We just saw Rashad White score a touchdown against San Francisco and put up an okay score this past week. Like just because the defense is really good on a three game slate doesn't mean we can ignore these players. Um, and just because AJ Dillon sucked all season long doesn't mean we can ignore him here. So again, just got to keep him in mind. There's only so many running backs to play. Got to choose two or three. So AJ Dillon is in that mix as well. Um, Charbonnet is in the mix. And then Brian Robinson Jr. As long as uh, Antonio Gibson remains out, Brian Robinson Jr., volume machine. Look at what happened. He was a core play for me this past week. And this is why you make a player a core play. Even without a touchdown, because he got all of the volume for the commander's running back work, he got you 20 fantasy points. Right. Imagine if there was a touchdown attached, he broke the slate. Nine targets, seven receptions, um, 17 carries for 73 yards last week. The the passing game role is spectacular. I'm going right back to Brian Robinson. Yes, it's a tough matchup against Dallas. Yes, Dallas is a good team, blah, blah, blah. But this is a divisional opponent. And I just think as long as Antonio Gibson remains out, Brian Robinson's going to continue to get a ton of volume. So uh, you know, interesting uh setup for the running back position this week. Are there any kind of cheapies that we need to keep an eye on? Um, probably not. Probably not. Maybe as the week rolls on, we'll come up with something like that. But for now, I'm going to say no. I think that group is, is the group for this week. Um, all right. Shifting focus to the wide receiver position. Again, we're just covering the Thanksgiving slate. It's a three-gamer. Everybody's in play. Um, at the top, you got C.D. Lamb and Amon Ross St. Brown. As your as your expensive studs, um, of course, I think the, I think those should probably line up primarily with whoever your quarterback is. Like if I'm using Dak, it's probably going to be with Lamb. Um, if I'm using Goff, it'll be with Amon Ra. There is an interesting way to approach tournaments where you kind of don't do that. So it's like if you, if I'm trying to win a tournament like this Millie Maker, so it does pay to get a little different. I don't want to get too into that sort of strategy for this first look concept, but um, yeah, there there is something to you know, playing Dak with Amon Ra and Brandon Cooks 
and Ferguson, like some combo like that, that's going to be less owned. That's going to be a little more unique. The people aren't going to do that. But but the general approach here for me would be to focus on you know Lamb with Dak and Amon Ra with um with Goff, and then maybe Ayuk in your in your Purdy lineups. Um, so Amon Ra though, great spot. He's always in a great spot. He's just he's just somebody that produces well. The double digit targets almost every single week. Just a great player. I love Amon Ra. He's always going to be in the mix, uh, regardless of what's going on um, on the slate. Brandon Ayuk coming off a really big game. Only six targets, uh, and he got to 29 fantasy points. Again, I was talking before about the efficiency of Brock Purdy and just the, the just the general efficiency of the San Francisco offense. This is how they operate. So it's not unusual for someone like Ayuk to get there really without even having a ton of um, volume. But most of this came off of one long reception. So you're counting on on that if he's not getting that volume. But I think we could see a volume spike as well for Brandon Ayuk. He's absolutely my favorite of the uh, San Francisco pass catchers this and every week at this point. Tough matchup for Metcalf and Lockett. Just in general, tough one. San Francisco, yes, they're allowing points to wide receivers, but it is San Francisco, and um, neither one of these guys have been particularly efficient um, this year or or have really justified their salary points. Uh, I, I think that Lockett tends to get more targets, but Metcalf gets a little more of that red zone role. Let's see, seven targets and 10 targets over the past two weeks. For Lockett, Metcalf, um, yeah, nine and 12, so eh, about the same, actually about the same here. But... Um, Either one of these guys are, are both going to be in, in the mix for me. This Both of these guys will be in the mix for me this week. But again, I'll probably use them more in like a Purdy lineup. Like it, how do you how do you differentiate where to play someone? That's kind of one of the ways that I would do it. Just I'll use that for my Purdy lineup. So it'll be a Purdy, Ayuk, and one of those two as sort of a standard approach to a Brock Purdy lineup this week. Um, continue on. Yeah, here's Debo Samuel at 5,900, reasonable price. Again, he has to get there on efficiency just like everything to do with um, San Francisco. Not much of a, not a great week this past week, 9.2 fantasy points. Um, got a couple, did he get any rushing attempts? Just the one. So that that is really what changed, right? He's been doing this for target games pretty much all season long, except for when injuries happen. For the most part, he only gets like three or four targets. Um, and then the rushing attempts are how he gets there. So I, I tend to not really like to play Debo unless somebody's hurt. On Seattle, but he could pop off at any time. Uh, McLaurin, tough matchup against Dallas. Not not my favorite spot. Romeo Dubs got it done um, this week, 16 fantasy points. So these Green Bay receivers will be kind of big targets um, in the sub 5K range. You've got Dubs and Watson and, and Reed, and all three of them like got some target. They, they spread the football around really heavily. In Green Bay, so even like even Reed here, he got um, you know six targets and and he had the big game. Jaden Reed, he was somebody actually that uh, I think Bobby Wow and Burns were talking up last week, and of course we got Christian Watson who finally had a good game. But that's all touchdown based. So any one of these guys can get it done. Um, I like all three. I think all three are going to be in the mix. Tournament though, no no real confidence in any single one of them. So it's going to be a little tournament upside. Let's see, we got 4,700. So we do have to start choosing some wide receivers. And um, I'm going to plug in Reed here at 4,200 as one of my punt plays on this card. Why him? Why not somebody else? 
I think he's fine. I think Jackson Smith and Jigba would be fine to plug in here. Uh, Michael Gallup or Brandon Cooks. So because this is a, a Dak Prescott lineup, I'll probably want to stack him with two pass catchers. So we'll want to get CeeDee Lamb in there. And then a second guy, it could be Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks kind of heated up a couple weeks ago. Um, but hasn't really done much for most of the season. He needs to do it again. Four targets, four targets, two for the one game blow up. But beyond that, you have to kind of expect he's usually getting four targets or so, and, and it's hard to get there on such a low, a small amount of volume. They're all kind of like that. They're all kind of like that. Let's see what happened with Wicks this week. Five targets. He's got a Q tag, head injury. So, hey, if Dontavian Wicks is out for Green Bay, maybe we'll see a little more action to the top three guys that'd be nice i'm not saying it's nice that he'd be out but i'm saying it's nice that we might be able to focus in on some of those lower cost wide receivers in one of the better you know safer matchups to target which is that packers at detroit game where detroit defense is good but maybe less good than dallas and san francisco maybe maybe um second player i'm going to plug in here actually I'm going to leave the wide receiver spot open here. Let's jump over to defense. We'll do tight end, and then we'll finish up the last two spots because if we're going to build a lineup, we really need to know how much salary we're going to be able to maintain. So um, taking a look at team defense, you got commanders, bad spot. Seattle, horrible spot. Packers, terrible spot on the road. So how do you deal with this? So I think there's two ways to think about defense on a short slate like this one is just, you know what, punt it, just, just take the savings, assume you get a zero and maybe all the other defenses won't be good either, right? That's one way to do it. So you just pay all the way down to 2,500. Say, you know what? These other defenses might not be that good either. Maybe, you know, like who are you going to play? Seahawks at San Francisco. San Francisco's the most efficient offense in the league. Uh, Dallas second most. So these teams are not giving up fantasy points. These offenses, the other way to go is to pay, right? So, Detroit at home against the Packers love kind of mistake prone this year. Sure. San Francisco, all three of these defenses, the favorites are good plays, especially Dallas. Dallas is the best play. They have a defense that's actually put up 20 plus fantasy points multiple times on the season. There's a 37, 27, 15, 15, 21. What other defense is doing this? The answer, no one. That is a unique thing going on with Dallas. Now, again, because this is a DAC lineup, I'm not going to do the Dallas defense because if Dallas defense is scoring that much, chances are DAC is just not needing to do all this work. So for the purpose of this lineup, I'm going to go with the Lions, but Dallas is my favorite, and I think they're worth paying up for. And, you know, 49ers in a good spot as well. Seattle, Geno banged up. Oh, my goodness. If if Geno goes out and it's Drew Locke, that guy is an interception machine. So all three of these defenses, super in play. For this slate. All right. Jumping over now to the tight end position. And again, we have um, some cheapies that we're going to work with. We've got a, we got some pay up options that are acceptable. So we'll go through the whole thing here for the most part. All the relevant ones anyway. Starts at the top of um, Kittle. George Kittle. Uh, it's just He's had great game after great game after great game. It's like no one plays him. Uh, nine targets, 11 targets, even this four target game. Somehow he got it done with a 23 on that one crazy long pass, but he's been getting volume 22. This was a volume game, uh, nine targets, eight receptions, a touchdown. Um, here we got 11 targets, nine receptions, 
150 yards, no touchdown, 26. So he can get there, but it is going to be challenging to afford luxury tight ends on this slate. So it just will be in order to get a luxury tight end. Effectively, we have to get rid of the luxury running back in Christian McCaffrey, which is fine and, and doable. But you can't play all the studs. So I like I like Kittle. It's fine. But he's probably going to be a Brock Purdy lineup guy for me primarily. Uh, similarly, Laporta, you know, it didn't get it done last week. Um, the volume hasn't been there the last few weeks, but it can spike at any time. It can spike at any time. Not nothing. There's nothing here that um, is overly concerning. Laporta's in the mix. Uh, Ferguson's a great spot with Dallas, uh, with Dak this and every week. Um, 10 targets, 7 targets, 5. So the, the volume has kind of been there. It's a little all over the place, but 3,900 is a price level that is affordable. It's something I, I don't mind. Um, the other two really relevant tight ends, Logan Thomas kind of splits from good games to bad games most weeks. Um, let's see, 8 targets, 5 targets, 6. This is a great amount of volume that he is getting. And I'm going to plug in Thomas as a little bring back. We've got a couple little bring backs from Washington here on this Dallas lineup. Um, Dak will do best if Washington can somehow make a game of this. And, you know, Logan Thomas is, I like tight ends against better defenses. That's one of the things that I tend to like to do, where I think the team needs to get something done. They'll throw to the tight end. They'll throw to the running back, which is why Robinson and Logan Thomas with da with Dallas really shutting down outside wide receivers. So I think this is a really uh, sharp way to attack this game. Dak to Lamb, and we'll add in another piece from Dallas's passing offense here. With uh, I mean, it could be Brandon Cooks. It can be um, it could be Brandon Cooks, and it could be Michael Gallup. Gallup has been terrible, but he can catch a touchdown at his price. So I'm just going to show this. With Gallup, 3,700. It's pretty bad. Five targets, three receptions. You know, he had the, the touchdown the week before, got the 15. Most of these weeks, though, 11. And I think this is his upside. This kind of a game of 15, you know, a couple receptions, maybe one catch for a touchdown at 3,700, right? So the question is, if we, and do I know which one is going to be better between him and, and Cooks? No. I don't know. How would I know that? Right? I don't know. But they both get kind of similar volume. Um, Cooks can also pop for for a big game. But for the most part, he's getting four, four targets per game. It's not that different from Michael Gallup. Here's four. I mean, he did have a spike game, but a lot of times he's just getting four targets and, and that same sort of kind of Michael Gallup upside all season long. So there's I, I think there's less separation between Michael Gallup and Brandon Cooks, then maybe the field might think. I think the field will be higher on Brandon Cooks. Um, the big difference for me is if I plug in to this specific lineup, where I plug in Brandon Cooks, I'm left with 4,500 to play with. And that doesn't leave a whole lot. I, I guess we've got like a Christian Watson, Jackson Smith, the Jigwa. So there are a couple of spots here that I don't mind at the 4K level. But let's just see what happens when we put in Gallup. We plug in Gallup, I'll get all the way up to the 5Ks. And that gives me a couple of more sexier options, I think, for the for the flex. So from here, I can go with Zach Charbonnet, who I think is a perfectly acceptable flex play. We got Sam Laporta, also good, um, and Romeo Dubs. Three really kind of solid plays. So 
Um, I like the way this has come together. I like it, the look, and I'm going to leave it up to you guys to choose the last spot between Charbonnet, Laporta, or Dubs in this sort of first look. But remember, this is a first look lineup, and note to everybody watching, we'll be back, I'm sure, on Wednesday with a uh, roundtable discussion about this particular slate uh, with, with the uh, DFS Army crew. So stay tuned for that. But this is your Thanksgiving slate, DraftKings first look. Good luck this week, everybody.